Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Something was created. And when it was created by its creator, its designer, it was all good. Everything was perfect. It functioned just the way the designer, the creator wanted it to function. And through that, it began to spread the light that it had. The good that it had, it brought more good. It was under the control, submissive to the creator, the designer, who loved his creation, who had no kind of motives other than good to bless, to take care of and provide for that creation. But there was a point when that creation, that masterpiece, decided to go out from under control of the Creator. And that's when everything went wrong. That's when things became chaotic. I want to pick up where we were last night. Our theme this week is out of control. You guys know, man, I don't have to say this again and again to convince you, but we live in a world that is full of chaos. It's everywhere. And it doesn't just stay out there. There's chaos in a little sense here today at camp with some of you. There's tension. There's jealousy. There's name calling. There's provoking. The world that we live in, it's everywhere. The planet has experienced chaos. You turn on the news, like we've been here, we've been kind of isolated for a couple of days, but we don't really know what's gone down the last couple of days. We could get done with this week, turn on the news real quick before we go to watch whatever show we like to watch or Netflix, whatever we're going to Netflix, and see, dang, dude, there was another flash flood. People died. There was a volcano. There could have been a tsunami. There could have been an epic tornado in the Midwest. Maybe a wildfire in California that they can't control just destroys homes. The planet, in many ways, is in chaos. The planet has some good things about it that I love. I've been to most of the national parks. But the planet is also dangerous. There are parts in Yellowstone National Park that I love to go to, but there's parts I avoid in Yellowstone National Park because they'll kill you. There's a boardwalk through Yellowstone National Park where some of the geysers are in this extremely hot type sulfur water, and it never fails. Like every year, every other year, some, some dummy goes in it. What's well, like 170 degrees? <laughs> it's not a bathtub, Chucky. Chucky's dead, Mom. <laughs> it was our vacation. It's over. Hawaii, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. My wife's gotten to go there. I haven't. I'm so jello. The volcanoes there, man, they're scary. Like, it looks like something we've seen out of some of the movies. You know, the lava coming, but we're all thinking, like, yeah, man, that's, that's like, you know, computer animate. No, it's real there. <laughs> the planet has so much chaos. 
Then the chaos with human, human beings between us. There's so much hate in the world. I was at the U2 concert last Monday in D.C., and Bono, the lead singer, was putting up a lot of different imagery for some of his songs. One of the uh, videos, the imagery that he was throwing up on the screen, it was very powerful with the song he was singing, Sunday Bloody Sunday, if you know that song, was a lot of what was happening in Charlottesville, like over a year ago or whenever it was, that racial tension. Here come the people that hate. I mean, you got Klan members, these white supremacists. I mean, they're doing this stuff, and I'm like, whoa, what? What are you? The war's over. We killed Hitler. But it still goes on. It's just major hate. Hate that, man, some of us haven't even experienced that level of hate because of the color of skin. It's unbelievable. So much judgment, gossip, backbiting. I got to see firsthand as a dad how bad the gossip and backbiting gets because I have two daughters that are teenagers. It's horrible. I'm not saying, guys, we don't have a problem, but we're kind of different, aren't we, in some ways? We got our own issues. I'm not saying we're better, but sometimes we got a beef with somebody, and I'm like, yo, man, you can meet me over there behind a chuck wagon, and we can deal with this. And it's like, pap, 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 pap. It's like, man, that's a good fight. <laughs> you want to go to snack shop? But girls, you know it don't go down like that. Y'all be hating each other for like 35 years, man. And it all started back at camp in 2018. You run into her in the supermarket 30 years later, you're like, I can't stand that woman. Your husband's like, why? 30 years ago at River Valley Ranch, I know that's her. She was running her mouth. She was over on that other cabin talking, said something about the way I was doing my hair. Looked down at me. She did that little. Your husband's like, 30 years ago, she got four kids now. Better stay away from me. Yeah, it's crazy. And I've seen it with my daughters. My daughters have been super, super hurt by other girls. The backbiting, the jealousy, just the intentional things to just leave people out. This past year, my daughter planned this big uh, graduation brunch with a bunch of her friends. They were going to go out to this really nice place. She planned the whole thing, man. My, my, daughter, my oldest daughter, man, she's just really into, like, uh, bougie, foo-foo. Like, she wants, uh, she just, I, I tell her, I'm like, come back to reality, okay? We're not rich. But she just loves stuff like that. So uh, she planned this really cool brunch in an expensive place. One of the girls that she was friends with, she'd kill me if I was telling you guys, <laughs> knowing that i tell you guys this story. Thank God my daughter's not here. Um, one of these girls that she was really good friends with, my daughter's also friends with her boyfriend. My daughter does not like him at all. My daughter would tell you, like, Dad, you're not even the kind of guy I like. I'm not attracted. But they snap back and forth about some stuff with school. And one of that girl who was dating that guy, that's one of my daughter's best friends, she got ticked off about it. I mean, you would have thought that my daughter and that guy went off and had you know, a romance over in France for the weekend or something and came back and were, you know, lovers. There's nothing. Simple, innocent snaps. And she never told my, my daughter, like, don't snap my boyfriend. She, she knew they were friends before they dated. So what do they do with that brunch? 
that girl and all of my daughter's friends go to the brunch that my daughter planned. And they take snap pictures of how good it was. And they smile and they send it to my daughter. My daughter was left friendless again. She'd kill me if I was telling you guys this. The only reason I'm telling you is because some of you think you're the only one. My daughter is beautiful. I'm not just saying that. She's one of the prettiest girls in her school. She's 4.0. She's very athletic. So guess what that means? A lot of girls can't stand her. And my daughter's not Miss Innocent. She can give it right back. (laughs) And that gets her in trouble with her mouth. Chaos, man. Her and my son tell me how bad it is in their public high school. And it's supposed to be the blue ribbon school of Calvert County. It's the school for you to move to this county, put your kids in this school, because you don't want to go to these other counties, these other schools. And my son and my daughter come in, and they tell me stuff that's going on. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Tell me you went to the principal. Dad, I'm not going to go to the principal every time I see something like that. I will. No, you're not, Dad. Stay out of our school. I'm like, what the heck? Like, there is crime up in that school. I'm not talking about misdemeanors. There is serious, sick perversion. Stuff that even you, all of us would just go, nah, uh uh-huh. Back of the library. I'm like, somebody's got to intervene. Kids that don't even give a rip about God coming to my son and saying, that that is sick. That's sick. (laughs) You know it's sick when people that are sick say it's sick. (laughs) There's so much bullying going on. Some of you in here have experienced that. It's horrible, man. People just pick on you constantly. Why? Maybe because you're nerdy. You're a gamer. You're overweight. You have an acne problem. It just goes on and on. Let me tell you who the biggest bullies are. The most insecure people. Because when you're secure, I don't even want to bully I'm secure. I don't want to put you down. It's insecure people. You want to know who hurts people the most? Hurting people. Hurting people hurt others. You're the one with the problem. That's just one of your ways to cope with your problem. Many of you are just doing the same thing that's been done to you. You're repeating the cycle. Aren't you proud of yourself? Chaos, man. It's not just around us. Chaos is in us. Chaos comes out of us to other people. The school shootings are crazy. It's crazy that my son and I have had to sit down and talk out how to handle it if it goes down. Literally, not just father, son, like, you know, son, come on, I want to talk to you about life. I want to talk to you about, you know, when you get that first serious girlfriend, when you get married one day. Yeah, we have those talks, but I got to literally go out with my son, get something to eat, and be like, listen to me. If it goes down, here's how I need you to respond. Because my son is brave, and he would want to help people. But my son is also smart, thank God, smarter than dad. And we just talk through what, what needs to happen. He would say, Dad, man, the first thing I would do is I would barricade that door. Every desk that I can, you push it forward. Everything that we can get there, I would tell everybody to come and hold that. I'm like, that's good, that's good. I said, what if you're in the hall 
and you see the active shooter. I run. I go to safety. That's right. You don't try to be a hero because you don't have a weapon. My son is trained to know how to handle weapons because all of his life I've had him around guns at the range, and we've done it the right way. I said, but son, you don't have a weapon. You get away. You alert people. You don't try to take on somebody like that. This is crazy the father-son talks I've got to have. With my daughters, my daughter, 19 years old, I give her freedom. She's going out on, on, on uh, some parties and things like that. I know it's at some of the parties. I say, hey, Autumn, before you leave, if you're walking around a party, whatever you have in your hand, if it's a drink, I don't care if it's water, juice, whatever, do you ever put it down? No, Dad. Don't ever put it down. If you put it down, you get another drink. Why? Because some guy will come up and he'll put a date rape drug. He'll knock her out to where she can't think right, take her in a back room. You know what can happen. She wakes up the next morning, isn't sure what happened, but knows it happened. Oh, man, it's a different world being a parent today. I could go on and on the talks I've got to have with my kids. Chaos, man. It's everywhere. Sex trafficking is epidemic. You guys hear about it on TV. I've gotten to see some of it firsthand. I've been at a truck stop and watched police officers intervene. I saw a girl walk in, man. She was 13, but she was decked out like she was 18. She had an older woman with her. I knew exactly what was happening. She was taking her. She was pimping her out to different trucks that this girl was going to service. I was like freaking out because I'm just like, I know what this is. I, I, there's no way she should look like that. I'm like, that older lady, this is everything I've read about. I've seen documentaries. And I'm just like, well, I talked to the cashier. You know, she's just like, you want some chicken? You know, I'm, no. Thankfully, state troopers walked in and I saw them, man. They were just watching the whole thing, acting like they didn't, you know, incognito. And I was like, they're on it. Slavery still goes on in the world. We got corrupt government leaders. We don't have corrupt Democrats. We have corrupt Republicans and those in the middle. There, there's so many that are corrupt. I'm not saying they're all corrupt, but there's so many that are corrupt. And it, and it even happens in the church. There's corrupt church leaders. The one place we should be able to trust, a lot of us were like, we can't trust. Parents used to be able to, like, I'm dropping my kids off in the children's ministry. I'm dropping my kids off at the youth ministry. Man, you got parents coming in. They're like, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. Parents that are coming in, and I'm glad they do it. They're like, oh, excuse me, you're about to take my kids away to camp for a week. Yeah, you want, you want to do that? Who are your leaders that are going, the volunteer leaders? Have they all been background checked, fingerprinted, all of that? Have you run all that? Yes, ma'am, I have. Would you like to see any of that, to know, whatever? Just because you're a church leader, man, people, not anymore are they like, oh, yeah, we can trust them. Wars, terrorism, threats of nuclear war. Then there's the chaos in our bodies. I mentioned that last night. There's sickness. There's probably not one of us in this room that sometime throughout this year you didn't get really sick with something. Some of you are sick this week. So stay away from me. Diseases. There's the 
mental health crisis epidemic that's going on. Do you realize the, the, the rate of anxiety and depression in our country, especially among teenagers and even suicide, it is moving up. It's soaring. There are people that even recently we're seeing uh, that are taking their lives, like Kate Spade. Somebody who you would think like got it all, all this money, the success, and she kills herself. A couple years ago, it was one of my favorite comedians, Robin Williams. A couple years ago, it was one of my favorite musicians, uh, 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 what was her name, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. You're like, why, why would you kill yourself? Look at what you're driving. Look at what you live in. Chaos, man. There's chaos all around us, and the chaos is in us. And the chaos began in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve had it all in Genesis 1 and 2. They were under the control of a good and loving God who wasn't holding out anything on them. He wasn't trying to deprive them. He loved them. It was a perfect relationship. He provided for all of their needs. But in Genesis chapter 2, he says, where is it? Let me get there. In Genesis chapter 2, he gives them one clear command. It says, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You can surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So Adam and Eve get one clear command. There's all these trees you can eat from. There's all these animals that you can enjoy, and they all get along together. All these dinosaurs that you can enjoy. You know, ride a brontosaurus, pet a T-Rex, do whatever. It's all perfect harmony. But there's this one tree in the middle of the garden. You don't eat from that tree. Because the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. One clear command. And he gave Adam and Eve the ability to make a choice. I've had teenagers come back at me and be like, if God knew they were going to do that, why did he even make them? So what is he supposed to make? Robots that just do every single thing he wants? Or does he give us what's called a free will? Because he wants to be loved by us. And love is a decision, not a feeling. We choose to love. And so he wants to see, are you going to love me? Are you going to obey me? Are you going to trust me? Or will you go away from me and do what you want? And that's what I want you to look for in this skit that you saw tonight that will pick up tomorrow. What happens when it goes away from its creator, its maker? So in Genesis chapter 3, this is how the story goes. This is an ancient story, but I believe it really happened with all my heart. Do I understand everything about it? No. But good night. I drive a Ford van. Do I understand everything about the motor in it? No, but I drive it. I don't have to understand every single thing to believe something, to trust something, to get in it and say, I'm going to let this thing take me where I need to go. So some of this that I'm about to read, you're going to say, that's crazy. It does sound kind of crazy. I'll show you what I mean. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Serpent, talking about a snake. He said to the woman, let's stop right there, hold up the metro. The snake just talked to Eve. Snakes don't talk. So right there, we're just like, what is going on? Now, I don't know if back then at this time, before Adam and Eve brought the chaos in, which I'm about to show you, if animals in some ways could communicate with humans. 
Funny thing is, you never see Eve freak out or Adam that a snake is talking. It appears that they're pretty chill with it. Like, makes you wonder, what was it like before we screwed it up, before they screwed it up? As we talk about the fact that there's dinosaurs and things walking around, that you guys are like, that's crazy if you could actually pet a T-Rex and be like, can I get on you? Can I ride you? You say, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ride the T-Rex, baby. Think about what it could be. What if we could talk to them? All I know is they didn't freak out about it, but now she's talking to the snake. The snake's talking to her. Here's what the snake says. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? What does he do? This is the devil possessing a snake. I don't have time to tell you everything about him, but I'll tell you this. When God made the devil, he wasn't the devil, he was Lucifer, he was a good angel, and he did exactly what we see up here in this skit. He chose to not be under God's control and to go his own way, and God ended up throwing him out of heaven. He went from Lucifer to Satan, or the devil. He fell from heaven, and one-third of all the angels, the Bible says, went with him. They followed him. They tried to take over heaven to have control. But you can't have control over God because he's got the ultimate control. And he threw them, he cast them down. So the devil hates God and he hates anything that God loves. So the devil can't really get to God and hurt God because he can't touch God. So what does he go after? He sees this new creation, Adam and Eve. And he comes to them in the form of a snake, something that they've seen in the garden. The snake is talking, but it's the devil in them. We find out that it's the devil later. The book of Revelation makes that very clear. Some of you are like, it doesn't say for sure that this was the devil, the snake, that the devil's in the snake. It's in the book of Revelation. You've got to read the whole Bible like I have, and you figure all these things out. It's pretty cool. So anyway, this snake says, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? The snake is trying to get her to question some things. What did God say? Did he say this? Eve should have been like, yeah, we know he said this. And she, she says this right back, like, yeah, we know this is what he said. They know exactly what God said. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tr- fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said we can't eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither can we touch it or we die. But listen to what the serpent, the devil, says back to her. You will not surely die. You want to know what that is saying? God is a liar. Has God said that you can eat of any trees and blah, blah, blah? Well, he said we can't eat of this one. If we eat of this one, we'll die. You won't die. Translation, God's a liar. They begin to think and question this. You have no reason to question if God's a liar. He's always been on your side. He created you. He provides for you. He loves you. He's never done anything to make you question that he would be some kind of person that you would think like, yeah, man, he's holding out on me. He's a fake. He's a phony. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Not talking about physical, but something that happens inside. They're going to have a, a new understanding of something. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the temptation. You eat of this fruit. And the reason why God doesn't want you to eat of it, but if you eat of it, here's what the serpent, the devil is saying, if you eat of it, you're going to be just like God. That's why he doesn't want you to eat it. But the devil is the liar. 
John 8, 44 says that the devil is the father of lies. He's good at it. He takes a little bit of truth and he twists it. That's why he's so good at it. He knows what the Bible says, but he'll twist it. You're not going to die. You'll become like God. Your eyes are going to be open. You're going to know things that he knows. And so there's this temptation and this desire inside of them that they're thinking, we can have control. They believe the lie. They believe the snake. They believe the devil. And it says that they took it. She took it. She ate it. And before all you guys get mad and say, man, see, it's the woman's fault. No, it's Adam's fault. Adam is always the one that's held accountable. Eve had a part in it. But Adam wasn't over, you know, like hanging out with the the giraffes on top of them, picking bananas. He was right there because it says she took it and she handed it to him and he took it and he ate with her. You see, let me tell you something about being a man. Part of being a real man is you're a protector of females. Not that females can't, many of them protect themselves. I've seen many that can hold their own. But a man's supposed to protect a female. If something goes down, there's some kind of situation. You intervene as a man. Guys, this is just a little break from the message. It's just a little man advice for you. You protect. That's what's in you. You may say, oh, man, I'm not like this super jock. I don't work out. I don't care. I've told my son, if a situation goes down and you see a guy beating and bullying a female and you come home and you tell me you didn't do anything, you're in trouble with me. You're going to get it from me. What if that guy kicks the crap out of me? Then I'm proud of you for at least trying and intervening. That's what we do. We've lost that in our society. We step up. We should be protectors. Should be opening the doors for females. If you see something that isn't, isn't, isn't straight with them, like, yo, hang on, honey. What's up, man? I'm waiting for Adam in this story to go, Eve, Eve, Eve. Go over there and get yourself an orange on that tree. Hey, snake, come here. I don't know who you think you are talking to my woman. Talking about my God, my heavenly father like that. I'm taking you to God right now. I'm waiting for him to step up. He doesn't. He's what? He's like most men in our society today. He's passive. He's passive. Hey, some of the videos y'all watch on YouTube... Some kind of fight, some kind of bullying thing breaking out. You want to know what drives me nuts with some of them? Because I've watched them. Guess who's filming them? A male. I won't call him a man. It's not a female. It's a male. Oh, dang. Oh, that is horrible. Oh, my goodness. Oh, somebody's got to call the police. Hey, get an ambulance. He's going to die. Oh, if I could jump through the screen and give him a round of discipleship, Jason George style. Come here, son. Smash his phone. 
you, you. This is where the chaos begins. I'll wrap up, guys, because we're going to talk more about it tomorrow night. Adam and Eve made a life-changing decision that didn't just affect them, it affected all of us. They made a decision to say, I'm going to do it my way instead of God's way. I'm going to believe the serpent, the devil, instead of believing God and trusting God. Instead of God being in control, I want the control. I want to be like God. And I know that that sounds tempting. I know that many of you, you want the control in your life. You, you want to be in control. I get it. Because life is so out of control. Even some of your families are so out of control, like mine was growing up. You want the control. We can't handle the control. And control is an illusion. We're never completely in control. Some of you that think you're so in control of your life, I've worked with teenagers for a long time that think they're going to live to be 90 years old. And then I preach their funerals. You're not as in control as you think you are. I see teenagers just like some of you that are healthy one week at camp and two weeks later are in a hospital diagnosed with leukemia. I've seen teenagers just as pretty as some of you girls that go off to Beach Week in Ocean City that never make it back because they got hit by a tractor trailer on Route 50 right past the Bay Bridge. True story. I knew her. Oh, I saw a teenage girl that grew up, got into her, got to be like 19, 20 years old, her music career taking off, got to be on The Voice, was runner-up in The Voice. Her name's Christina Grimmie. She came out of my youth ministry. She was one of my friends. Her number is still in my phone. I won't remove her from my phone. Text messages with her. Her parents are some of my best friends. Her dad tells me earlier that day, two years ago, June 10th, Jason, pray for Christina. She's down in Florida tonight with Marcus, her brother, concert. That's where they're at. I saw her that day. I was on Twitter. She posted a video that morning. Hey, guys, I'm in Florida, blah, 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 blah. The show's coming up. Later that night, I was sitting on my bed. I was reading a book. I get a call. I get a call from her dad, who's in California, where they lived. She's in Florida. Jason, you need to pray right now. Jason, you need to pray right now. Jason, you got to pray right now. I said, what's wrong? Christina's been shot. What? Christina's been shot. What? She's at the concert. After the show, man, after the show, it was one of the fans came up to the table, man. He pulled a gun. He shot her. I said, I got to go, bud. I got to go. I'm praying. Well, I had her brother, Marcus, who was also from my youth ministry. I had him on my phone. I called Marcus immediately. Marcus was always at the merch table with, her, with his sister, was right beside her. I said, Marcus, Marcus, listen, what's going on? He goes, Pastor Jay, man, Pastor Jay, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad, man. I said, how bad? You need to talk to me. Slow down. Where is she hit? She took it directly to the chest. How many times? Three or four. I can't stop the bleeding. I said, Marcus, what do you think? Or paramedics, do you think? He goes, it'll be a miracle. And he hung up. 
she died. Marcus is one of my heroes, though, because he wasn't one of those passive males. The guy pulled the gun on his sister, some crazy, weird fan, just came up, pulled a gun, and killed her. Marcus instantly reacted, tackled the guy, took him out. The gun fell out of his hand. Marcus saw the gun, saw the guy on the ground, the shooter. They looked at each other. Marcus knew he could get to the gun quicker than him. Marcus told me, he told me later, he said, in that moment I said, Jason, like I knew I'm dead. Here it is. He's got the gun. I tackled him. He said, I watched him grab the gun, look at me one more time, and then he killed himself. You know why? Because it's typical of these shooters. Once they're confronted and somebody steps, they're cowards. We don't know how many other lives Marcus saved. I'm so proud of him for being a real man. This whole chaos thing, I have felt it. I have felt it personally. My mom's died of cancer. My dad walked out on me when I was 12 years old. I lived with my brother from 12 to 18. While my dad was married to my stepmom, I've been through multiple types of abuse. She punched me. She left marks on my body. I've been hit with sticks. I've had my stepbrother choke me. I've been bullied seven years. One of my stepbrothers sexually molested me. The whole Me Too movement, it's not just something that happens to females. My dad wasn't there to protect me. Chaos. Chaos has happened to me. How did I cope with the chaos? I became violent. I started fighting. I started picking fights. I started lying. I started stealing. I started drinking to escape. I started watching a ton of pornography because pornography was a way I could feel good and escape for a while. It became my biggest addiction. Guess what? I was in fifth and sixth grade when it started. What is that called? It's coping. How do we cope? Some of you grin, some of you smile. Why? Because you do it too? Or maybe you think it's funny. Do you have any idea how many marriages pornography destroys? It's the number one reason people divorce. Over 50% of all marriages end in divorce. The number one reason is pornography. Do you know how many guys I know, even guys that aren't Christians, that want off pornography? Because they're no longer able to enjoy life anymore. They're hooked. It drains them. It's messed with their mind. They can't even communicate and talk with females properly anymore. It was one of the ways I coped. Some of you have the ways that you cope with the things that you've dealt with, the chaos in your life. Some of you do this. Some of you get high. I'm not judging you. Some of you cut. Some of you fight. Some of you hurt others. Use the word in here. Because I got to keep it PG. The way you treat your parents. You're so freaking mean. There's no perfect parents. 
Some of you, you got no reason to be mean to your parents. Maybe some of you do. I did. I had a reason. But some of you, you got no reason. All they do is sacrifice for you, try to provide for you, try to help you. You take stuff out on them, or maybe you do it to a younger brother or sister. There's so many different ways we cope with the chaos. Things are out of control. It all started in Genesis 3. So the answer where we're going this week is, what the heck do we do? The answer is God. Yeah, but, but God seemed to leave us because of this Genesis 3 thing. He's not around anymore, Jason. Yes, he is. He wants a relationship with you. That's what the cross and the Jesus thing is all about. And I'm going to help explain that to you guys this week. Of the little bit of stuff you've heard about my life, the chaos I've been through, have you scratched your head yet and gone, what the heck are you doing up there as the teacher, the preacher guy? I mean, how did, how did you end up having, getting married? You got a wife, been married 22 years, you got three kids, and seemed like you made it through, like you're doing better. Now you help teenagers. That's all I've done for the last 25 years. I graduated high school, went right into working in Christian camp ministry. I've never stopped working with teenagers. Yeah, I work other jobs. I paint, build a little bit, do some crummy side work, try to fix stuff to help bring home the money to pay the bills. But I travel all around the country and talk to teenagers. I've been able to go to Russia and talk to teenagers in public school and help them and share the same story I'm sharing with you guys about what Jesus can do to change your life. You don't got a guy standing up here that's full of a bunch of bull. I'm not fake. The Jesus thing, I'm not here because I have to share it. If it wasn't real to me, if I hadn't experienced it, I wouldn't even talk to you guys about it. He's not just another religious leader to me. He's not just a good moral teacher or philosopher. Jesus Christ, this guy who walked the planet over 2,000 years ago, he's real and he's changed my life. And it all started with the day that I decided to believe in him and follow him and say, I don't want to be in control anymore. It's not working. You take control. When I did that, he began to bring healing to my chaos. He could do that for you. He could do that for your family. You got to make a choice just like Adam and Eve did. You want to keep the control? Let's see how that works out for you. Or do you want to surrender control? Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the good time we had today at camp, all the activities. Thank you for the good food that we get here. Thank you for tonight, for the truth that comes from your word, the Bible. Because sometimes life doesn't make sense. There's so much chaos. But tonight we were able to see where it all started, where it all came from. And we're starting to get a glimpse that you got this rescue plan in place to pull us out of the chaos, to bring us into a relationship with you, and to take us to a better place one day where there will never be chaos, never be pain, this place called heaven. God, I pray with all my heart that you would help these students to really see that, see that you're real, see that you love them, see that you got a plan for their life. 
see that releasing control of their lives and giving control to you is the best thing that they can do for them. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.